Look, I'm a big proponent of Mike Tomlin's leadership style. I'm an even bigger proponent of Tomlin's crisis management. I just didn't like either of those things yesterday. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up daily shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. Chase Claypool and Minka Fitzpatrick really got into it late in practice, and this was not one of those standard camp fights or practice fights or one of those things that afterward everybody goes, ha, 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 boys will be boys, or what was the temperature, or anything like that. This was nasty. Significant blows were landed. And to my eye, from about 50 yards away, almost all of those blows were landed by Minka on Claypool, who was down. And then a pile of players makes it into the picture. And things got really nasty, uh, really heated, really loud, snarly, taking sides. Not normal at all. None of this. And you know what? They knew it. Everyone involved knew it, and that included the head coach, because even though the head coach stood stoically while all this occurred, practice did eventually resume, and after the final 15 minutes did get completed, Tomlin gathered the players around him, right there on the grass, and he addressed the team. According to a couple of the players, he warned them against doing something like that again. He talked about being too close to the season. He talked about star players getting hurt. He admonished them to be professional. And then Ben Roethlisberger goes in and talks. Just in case you didn't think... This was unusual enough. I heard from a longtime former player last night, and when I relayed that part of the story to this individual, he came back with, wow. Like, that's just not how things work. You usually shrug these things off. You joke about them, you know? There's all kinds of one-liners for it. None of that was going on here. None of that. And if you'd seen it, you'd know why. So I asked the head coach, the leader of this team, the leader of these men, as he calls them, what were his thoughts on what happened down there in that end zone? And this was what I got back. Do you have any concerns about what happened in the end zone down there? What? What are you referring to? The scrap in the end zone. Yeah, I have no idea what you're referring to. Okay. Really, a couple other reporters tried. Got nothing else. One-word answers, non-answers. Changing the subject. Didn't want to discuss it. Why? Who knows? Like I said, 
he didn't want to discuss it. But maybe he'd have had a chance, right then and there, to make a statement. To say something that might inspire some confidence. The fact is, every syllable of what he would have spoken to us would have made it back to the players. Again, yes, I know, he was just out there talking to them. But it's a little bit different. When they know that what just happened to them is now being discussed by the head coach in public. Maybe makes you think twice. Maybe makes you regret some of what happened. Maybe makes you find a way to come closer together. Whatever it would have been, it would have been better than this. It would have been better than, I don't know what you're talking about. And and he's trying to be funny. I know what he was doing. I mean, he looked me right in the eye and made it really, really clear why he was saying what he was saying, and he wasn't going to take it any further. He also knew that just a few feet away, Kevin Dotson was giving an interview, and Dotson talked about it openly. So did Tyson Alualu. So did Chris Wormley. So why not just address it as the head coach? What would have been the harm there? This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs, leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose how and where you get your education, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe it's a flexible hybrid format. Learn more about all of this at pointpark.edu. This isn't just so that you get any kind of crazy ideas out of your head. This isn't me getting whatever over the fact that Tomlin gave me this answer. This, I've been dealing with him for a very, very long time. And like I said, he made eye contact with me. He knew exactly what he was doing, what he was saying, why he was saying it, and what impact did it have. Meaning on that process that was taking place right in front of him that bank of reporters asking him questions. And that's all he was thinking about in that moment. That's all he was thinking about. Well, I'm here to tell you that there had better be a lot, a lot more than that going on behind the scenes. Because... What I witnessed out there was nastiness. I have seen camp fights. They're boring. They happen all the time. I've seen practice fights. They're rarer because they're either in season or closer to the season. I haven't seen this. I haven't seen this. Alualu spoke afterward about what it'll take to repair things. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, being smart. Um, I think just kind of what I said, just, you know, that competitive edge is always going to come out uh, when you're going good on good, stealer on stealer uh, football. So uh, we just got to be smart, make sure you know, nobody gets hurt in those kind of altercations. Um, so that was kind of the message. Man, I hope he's right. I hope he's right. But again, This is going to take work. It really is. 
And I dare say it's going to take more work on young Chase Claypool's end than anyone else's because he was the one bearing the brunt of mm, pretty much all of the ire and invective that I could see and hear. We might not ever learn about it. In fact, from that standpoint, when it comes to player to player, man to man, it might be better off that way for the football team. But yesterday, yesterday, right after it happens and right after everyone sees it, for the head coach to play dumb? Come on. Come on, man. Do better than that. When we come back, just one question. It's time for just one question that's brought to you always by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who filed for workers' comp, who need assistance with medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers for over 15 years. That's a real thing. It's reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at LGKG.com. Today's J1Q comes from John Eustace, who says, So, Dan, you reported that the Steelers' starting offensive line in practice had Dan Moore at left tackle, Chooks Okorafor at right tackle. If that holds, you could see as many as five rookie starters in Buffalo, including Kendrick Green, Najee Harris, Presley Harvin III, and Pat Fryermuth. Would that be some kind of record? Um, well, it depends on how you define a starter. Dale Lawley, our beat writer at DK Pittsburgh Sports, did some research on this. And Dale had to go all the way back to 1971 to find the last time the Steelers had three rookie starters in their opener. Those were Dwight White, Glenn Edwards, and Mike Wagner. The funny thing is, Jack Ham was the second-round pick in that class, and he didn't start in the opening game. He started in the next 13. The Steelers also had three rookies start the 1989 opener, Tim Worley, John Reenstra, and Carnell Lake. Reenstra was out of there, like, right after the opener. So it's hard to really put him in that same class. This is different. This is different because we're talking about more into this equation now. Maybe, maybe, and this is where I'd caution on this and and look much more at Harris, Fryermuth, and Green, your top three picks as being much more certain of starting in Buffalo and beyond. The reason for that is today at 4 p.m., is the NFL's cut-down deadline when teams have to get to 53 on the roster. And there are going to be players who come available. If I'm Kevin Colbert and I'm not on the phone at 4.01 p.m. with every available offensive tackle that I like, 
then I'm not doing my job. So I strongly suspect Colbert will be doing exactly that. Um, that's not a knock on Moore. That's not a knock on Chooksakorafor. Um, it's just that Zach Banner isn't practicing. He's clearly had some kind of setback. And it's just so tough, John, to picture an offensive line that's already this young and this inexperienced now having two rookies, including a rookie protecting the blind side of your Canton-bound franchise quarterback. That's just, uh uh-uh. They absolutely, positively must sign another offensive tackle. I believe that'll happen sooner rather than later. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. Tomorrow.